there, Louise. Thank it's you. an honor to have you here for the premiere episode of AI After Work. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. We were really scared we wouldn't re- really make it here yeah. tonight because we just heard from you like 30 minutes before the recording, but uh, you, you had a bit of a stressful day, right? Yeah, I did. And I noticed that I haven't responded to you, that I'm I'm coming. Mm-hmm. I was very happy about the, the question of me to coming here, but then uh, something happened today. I had really, I've, I've been a... Uh, Hurting myself in the summertime, mm. doing sailing. So uh, I had to go to the ER today. Jesus. Yeah. So, but um, they and had... And what happened? What, what, how, how did you hurt yourself? I was out sailing with my kids. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we had a bit of a struggle with the, the sails. So uh, I had to uh, make them go out the boat. Mm. Uh, and then when, when I was uh, kicking the little... It was a really small boat. Mm. Uh, kicking off from... from uh, uh, the place where I've left them, mm. I slipped and I landed on my fingertips. Oh, ouch. Yeah. And I was like, ouch. So you hurt your fingers basically. Yes. And that sounds super scary for tops. like a computer nerd <laughs> like me. You know, if yeah? you can't use your fingers, you basically can't do anything. No. Yeah. And for a sailing nerd as me, it's a really big problem. Yeah. And thanks for the last time, you know, in the AI Agenda uh, meeting recently and the Offentliga room and everything. I must say I'm really impressed be, mm-hmm. with all the like comments you make and the statement that you make. It's always very articulate oh, and, and well you. thought out, it sounds. Yeah, so uh, I'm you. really glad to have you here, and uh, especially with your background as well. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps we should quickly just introduce uh, what this is, yeah. with the AI After Work, and who we are, and then we get back to you and, and have a, big, a, a bit of a deeper uh, description of your background and, and who you are. Sounds good. Yeah, so this is the premiere episode of uh, AI After Work. So it's it's a podcast about AI as an after work. And essentially, this is all about being uh, digging deeper, digging under the surface of, of what AI is all about to, to bring it into society. Mm. From uh, the most technical dimensions to... Uh, typical f- challenges of operationalizing or, or being a mi- on a middle manager level to philosophical topics even, what, what, what we need to think about. So yeah. my name is Henrik and uh, uh, I'm going to be one of the um, hosts here, mm-hmm. Henrik Götberg. Uh, my passion has really been on this uh, operational middle manager, taking the vision and trying to understand what does that mean in terms of driving it and then working with super ticky guys to making it happen together with the normal business people. Yeah. So. And I guess I'm the super ticky guy. And uh, yeah. I, I think <laughs> if you've seen this kind of Conway, Conway when diagram, it's kind of the definition of a data scientist. It's basically have three circles in it. Yes. One is the more theoretical, technical part. One can be the more engineering and another can be the more domain expert business type of people. Yeah. And I think that's like a good three circle representation of who we are here also someone understanding the business side of things and also having domain expert like Luis here as well which also of course is very knowledgeable in AI and and I think this Venn diagram is is a representation for the AI after work because in order to in order to live in this new core so if imagine going data and AI first means we all live in the middle we come from different disciplines but this is the, the future world so now we let's talk with all these people who come from the different angles uh, to see what, what what is the future all about and what do we need to do now to get moving. Mm. Mm. It's a really good mission. Yeah, yeah. and uh, after work means a little bit less 
politically correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, being able to speak your mind, speak freely, talk about the real challenges. Yeah. And that's, in, a, that's an ambition, at least. Yeah, and in English. We and have to talk English. about that. <laughs> yeah, and also very improvised, you know, there's yeah. nothing yeah. reversed or edited or anything. Yeah. But so I, I must pick up on speaking English because you told me something that uh, where you work, maybe you should yeah. introduce yourself where you work and I yeah. hold on that question. Yeah, so yeah. I, I work at the SKR or uh, in Swedish SKR. So that's uh, Swedish regions and municipalities, regioner kommuner in Sweden. And they have an association that drives their... Uh, biggest uh, and most important issues towards the government uh, and the EU and stuff like that. And we are also um, taking care of uh, uh, things that being being a relig- uh, region or a municipality, how do you run it? How do you keep it up? And how do you uh, make welfare for everybody in Sweden? So we don't uh, are we are not allowed to talk English. That's so we have to translate everything in English to Swedish. So why is that? Yeah, because we live and work in Sweden, of course, and we have to talk to our members, uh, the municipalities and regions in their own language. So one of the things that we work a lot with, because I'm I'm chief of uh, digital transformation, you can say, uh, we have to constantly. Uh, translate. Yeah, and this, uh, this is interesting because I I can understand the purpose that on a municipality everybody should be, should be inclusive. We we are in Sweden, yeah. but from the global data and AI scene mm-hmm. and where the talent is and the technology is all about, it's really a in, English is the international language of yeah. data, I guess. And you have to be uh, on the international stage as well. Yes. And have to talk about what's important from Sweden because AI is also a global yes. question. Yes. And there is something interesting in our work together mm. in the AI agenda, agenda. Uh, that's uh, about to uh, tell the story about how Sweden are going to work with AI. Mm. I'm looking forward to speaking more about that. Mm. Uh, it's, I think, it's a very important initiative. I'm glad that we're doing mm. that in Sweden. Yeah, but I'm so, just... The, the, with this with the language. I'm so happy that you said that you will help me if I'm struggling with the words because that's basically it. Yeah. I'm not talking English uh, so much. So thank yeah, you for no, that. Of course. Yeah. And just to close up a bit about what the AI After Work uh, podcast is really all about. Uh, I mean, we can basically shortly say it's uh, we're trying to bring you the latest and the state-of-the-art techniques in AI. Mm-hmm. But also make sure to have that from a business point of view to make it really understandable for how organizations can really make use and operationalize AI properly. And I think also by having the right domain experts in place like you. So um, we can really understand all the aspects of it to to have a proper uh, understanding of how to really accelerate uh, um, uh, the use of AI in Sweden. And and may I ask you, why do you think this is important? Or why, why, why well, do we yeah. decide to invest time in this? So, so just to give a very brief background about myself, I've been working with AI and doing research in AI for like 20 years and did a PhD in Lean Shopping a long time back and been working at a number of companies like Spotify and now Paltarium and heading up a research group there. But what we can really see when working with AI for that long is that most people have a really strange understanding of what AI is. They usually have the, the view that media portrays, which is the, the matrix and the terminators and and uh, the, the strange view that AI is about killer robots when it's really not. 
and uh, you know something we really try to to bring on. And I'm sure we will speak more about is really using AI together with humans. And that's really how we maximize the benefits of AI. So uh, that's why I think it's really important to have this kind of uh, podcasts, trying to in an ease to understand in an informal way, just you know, share knowledge and and have fun <laughs> talking yeah. about AI. Uh, so people have the proper understanding of uh, all the huge possibilities with AI, but also have that in a proper, uh, realistic way. So I think that's yeah, and my two cents why I decide now let's invest some time uh, hosting this uh, on our spare time is that I've been coming from uh, uh, now I'm working a lot with Scania and I used to work with Vattenfall for for many years and in sitting in this sort of perfect storm of the traditional IT, uh, we need to digitize the whole uh, energy ecosystem we talked about in Vattenfall. And the hardship is really on, on, and the complexity on the middle manager level, which is essentially about this Venn diagram mm-hmm. that basically we have come from the business side or the process side and the IT side, and we don't really live in the new core yet. And it's not until we have this mind shift and, and start bringing these different disciplines together that this will work. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm so passionate when we say, let's talk about this and let's make sure we invite guests to cover the different perspectives. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. So I'm really passionate. And we were thinking quite a bit, you know, who should be our inaugural guest. Yes. And we actually had Luis in the top of the list and you were the first that we actually asked to come here. Yeah, so happy so, for that. Yeah. So that, that, that was, <laughs> you know, so who's number two, number three, number four, if Luis doesn't want to cannot <laughs> make it? And then yeah. we, you spared us that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm. We're really grateful. Uh, just to give a bit of my view of, uh, you know, I've known you mm. for, for some time and, and we've been meeting at uh, different AI events. Um, but as a very techie person myself, uh, I still have a, like a huge interest in understanding the human mind, the psychology and like the social aspects of how to really use AI. And also have, also have a strong interest in religion and theology. And, and that is a very fascinating background that mm. you have as well. Mm. So with that, perhaps you, you can very briefly or yeah. try to describe a bit about your background and who Luis Cullen Barry is. Yeah, and that's a big question. <laughs> so thank you for that one. We know sailor. Yeah, you know the sailor one. Uh, it's how I want to interpret myself. No, no, it's... It's a, it's a, I think also always when giving a question like that, it's a hard question to answer because mm-hmm. it's in this context, who am I? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, my background as a, uh, in theology and in psychology, it's basically because I was studying to become a priest. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and why, why that? You can, mm-hmm. you can ask because uh, before that I was working at Primraff, mm-hmm. uh, a refinery in Sweden, and with uh, uh, making uh, the operations work, basically. And that was uh, my first uh, meeting with uh, um, business and uh, how to make money and how to efficient workflow and stuff like that. And I was like, something is missing. Uh, And I realized that I wanted to work with what's matter to people. Uh, So I started to basically look at the university courses and what could probably uh, make me find that one, uh, that course. So it's what's uh, religion A. So I started that with uh, that study uh, and it struck me the first week that this was the most interesting thing 
I've met. And what, what I met was, you're, you're asking uh, what humans like us, how we interpret our life and how we do it in context with others and how much culture uh, uh, basically... Uh, culture and uh, the society around us uh, are maybe uh, forcing us to to make some innovations or act in a, a way that we think we are free. So what's the responsibility in that and stuff, questions like that. So uh, it made me very interested in how we work in the society, but also uh, with a religious uh, theme here because I also was... Can you uh, was thinking about how can I work with people and uh, and meet them in different stages in life? So priest seems like an option. So I started studying priest to to ministry as well. And in Sweden, you have that you have to be a, a academic uh, uh, theology uh, course, and you have to have the church stuff. But then I realized in church you can't innovate. It's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's sad. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a bit sad, but uh, there there are, are reasons for that as well. Uh, and I know myself as a as a change uh, person. I have a big passion Innovation about change. Innovation and change is yes. something dear. And I think I, that you always can ask yourself, how do you work with people and uh, make uh, make a better place? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started to. Uh, to question my uh, choice working in church and was where can I use this platform? So I find leadership. Mm. So leadership, yeah. that's my background, you can say. And how did you come to where you are today? So yeah, from square. yeah, from uh, from studying uh, theology and wanted to become a priest. Uh, I have a sister working as a priest, so uh, oh. I have also followed her work, and it's a it's a Fantastic work. Of course, you meet people in the, in different stage of life, and you have uh, on work time the opportunity to talk about philosophy and what really means to things. Uh, but uh, I, uh, w- well, actually, I was pregnant and uh, could use some money, <laughs> <laughs> so there was a job, uh, and I have like one year left. Uh, open for uh, to become uh, like a, a secretary general for a scout uh, movement. Mm. So that's where I started to to practice leadership uh, in an uh, NGO organization. Mm. And then I have uh, worked with several of them. And so I I have my background in the industry that I really saw what automation and data and uh, how to optimize Process. your yeah and then the theological stuff with what's the purpose of everything and how do you work with the human mind and our uh, relation to the other world so the world around us so i'm mean, really interesting coming you know from a religious you know crack into leadership and I know you have a number of re- um, awards like you've been nominated for like the Framtidens chef the, the, the mm. chef of the future so yeah, to speak that's true and you had something called like the the chief happiness officer space yeah. uh, what's that that's my own blog that yeah. I'm uh, um, where I have my thoughts about leadership and how mm. you drive change 
Uh, and uh, my motivation for that is I think that if you have happy people working in your workspace, mm -hmm. you can achieve everything, basically. But sounds like a great uh, yeah, goal. Yeah, doesn't it? And, and, uh, but it's kind of hard because we humans are different and you have to have some techniques to uh, make, it, make it happen. And uh, then I'm sharing just my ideas about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I did, I, I did that because I have two blogs, actually, since uh, like 17 years ago, I started my first one. 17 yeah, years? Yeah, it's, it's a long time. That's did blogs I was exist? <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry. You called it something else? <laughs> I did. It was email. Yeah, no. But uh, so I have always writing about how yeah. how it is to become uh, uh, a, a mother or how to uh, raise kids or how to uh, just live. But uh, when I started to, to write about um, work issues, I noticed that they didn't really match because my more uh, existential um, pieces were not really that that uh, what do you call it genre genre yeah yeah so i was like okay i have to um, your cup of tea yeah. yeah so i have to uh, make it more um, and, and i s i don't know you so i'm so curious how you met but also how is your view into the whole AI yeah. scene yeah, because you're exactly. quite in connected now in several of these different mm -hmm. very important initiatives. So how did you guys meet and how did you come into this scene? Yeah. I don't remember the first time actually. Was it the AI agenda yeah. work or was No, it, it was AI innovation, I think. Yeah, wasn't okay, it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That was the first. Yeah. Or did they start uh, at the same time as well? There are a lot of initiatives, yeah, so you so, can so, say. So, so for <laughs> the viewers who might not know, so what do you do in, in the AI scene? So we uh, yeah, yeah. so you know, uh, for me, I think it's important to try to, try to do what you can to, to Juan just deliver and, and explain the, the, the meaning of AI and, and see what you can do to help drive uh, AI. And, and there are a number of national initiatives and European initiatives to, to try to do that. So we probably can speak more about that later, but some of them are the AI Innovation of Sweden that just recently, this day, actually yesterday, I believe, uh, changed name to mm -hmm. AI Sweden. Yeah. And we also have the other initiative called uh, AI Agenda. Uh, we have the Offentliga Rummet mm. and things like that to speak about. Um, but perhaps, Luis, uh, what's your view Sorry. of um, AI Sweden as it's now called? Mm. I love that um, initiative. I think it's so important that we uh, gather all the regions in Sweden and the municipalities around that um, question. How, mm. how can we use AI to um, make, make a better Sweden, Yeah, exactly. you can say. Uh, and, and what we're trying to do in AI Sweden, as I uh, understand it, is to make us... Um, you know, not only talk about AI, uh, but to use it. And it's kind of hard because you have a lot of legal issues in Sweden that you have to address and you have to have like cases so you can, you know, show uh, people that decision makers, what's, what's wrong with our legal system, you know? Well, uh, sure. And you also have to manage data and Sweden, in, in Sweden, we are not so good on sharing data, but we are good to manage our own data in our own way. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the initiative of AI Sweden, as we call it now, 
we meet and, and, you know, find projects that could help us solve mm. this kind of problems. Yeah, I mean, it's a super important initiative, I think. Mm. And, you know, it's a government-funded project with hundreds of millions in funding and now, you know, yeah. starting off with a central organization and now also uh, starting up a number of regional, mm. speaking about SGR, yeah. uh, nodes as well. So I think we are up to six nodes now, if I'm not wrong. Yes. Trying to make sure that we really capture the, the local needs as well, and what the industries they have mm. and how we can help with data and AI to, to really accelerate their growth. Mm. And it's a collaborative uh, initiative as well. Be- mm. That's why we we met, yeah, basically. Exactly. <gasps> yeah, really important stuff. And um, um, an AI agenda is uh, what is that? <laughs> how how do you? Uh, <laughs> you want me to answer? Yeah, that? yeah I can give you. Uh, <laughs> but we, of course, want to make sure that also politicians mm. and the government really understands, you know, how we can accelerate AI. And mm. uh, you know, my usual. When I go out speaking about AI, I'm trying to explain the situation on the, in the world, mm-hmm. and uh, people, you know, believe and think that AI is, you know, really prominent and driven by US and China, which is partly mm-hmm. true. But if you look at it more closely, you can see it's basically the big tech giants. It's the Google, the Facebook, the Amazons, the Microsofts of the world, or the Chinese companies, the Alibaba, Tencent, Baidu, and so forth. They are really accelerating in a rate that is you know, staggering. Uh, unfortunately, most other companies, and especially in Europe, is not really uh, keeping up with that. So that uh, is some piece of information that we really need to, to uh, talk about and make people understand. And we need to accelerate also in Europe and in Sweden uh, our use and coordination of AI. Mm. And I think that's really one of the top goals of the AI agenda, trying to you know, come up with some number of suggestions action points to take that we can speak to politicians about and to other organizations and really demonstrate how to best make use of AI. Mm. Would you say that's a good mm. description? Yeah, yes, it's really good. Yeah. And and uh, to come together in Sweden from different uh, sectors mm. uh, is really the Swedish way, I believe. Mm. And we are talking about how we can collaborate and have like a... Um, a, a line that we are following together, yeah. but not... Uh, doing the same stuff because that's would be impossible mm. impossible uh, but i think uh, i think that the ai agenda um is also interesting to lay beside the initiative of ai ai innovation or ai sweden because ai agenda is trying to to make the collaborative talk you know that we have uh, uh, as as I always wanted to to uh, lay on the table, this is like a movement. So we have all to be be a part of a movement and ask ourselves, what is my part of making AI uh, possible to use in Sweden? Mm. Uh, and it's so interesting that you pint out that uh, big companies because that's basically how we think about uh, those who run the scene, you know? Mm, yeah. But isn't it like, well, you, maybe you can answer this. Isn't it that Sweden and the public sectors, uh, uh, w- because we have so much data, mm. so this, so we have like an, uh, pos- uh, what do you call it, potential? Opportunity. Yeah, yeah opportunity and a potential to like be a, a really super power in yeah. using uh, data. I think Sweden has so to many... To support, uh, you know, yeah, lives. Exactly. Yeah. 
But but let let me now throw some uh, fuel on the fire. Yeah, <laughs> please. Because what's the what's the real challenge here? Because at the one hand side we have great uh, people of techie understands this, and of course we need to push the whole uh, agenda with politicians for investments and stuff like that. But I think it's a, it's a big pink elephant in the room here mm-hmm. that the on the operational level out in the organizations. People are so far away from understanding how to get started, how to do this. So, so if I'm a little bit rude, you know, I think AI of Sweden is, is talking about AI 2030 and the innovation agenda. And I think we need an AI 2020 agenda. Where do we get started? I mean, like this is where I'm coming from. The communities and open source discussions that I, w- I want to have peer to peer between mm. different corporations and public sectors, you know, how do you do it? Uh, and and if I'm if I'm now throwing the fire to the mm. public sector, I see a lot of talk and on what AI is all about and all this. And at the same time, as you're highlighting, a couple of companies are sort of they have left the industrialization curve and going into the data and AI first curve, and mm. they are truly accelerating. But we haven't even done the pivot to start yeah. innovating as pioneers on the first curve. Well, so that was my sort of. Uh, Throwing some fire. That's the truth, I believe. Yeah, you told it. Uh, no, uh, you, you're so right. And isn't it about uh, competence? Yes. Uh, and how to how do we how can we make managers yes uh, understand what AI is and data how you use it yes. and how do you start? So yes, uh, we asked that question for like uh, one and a half year ago together with uh, uh, Car- uh, Caroline Andersson at Governo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started to, uh, together with K- KTH at the time, um, to find out an uh, AI um, um, course for chiefs and uh, decision makers. And, and not that AI element, because that's a really good course as well, but that's really elements for the nerds. AI, yeah, elements of AI, yeah. Uh, if you want to know uh, basic about the technology, but we wanted to have a course that's more uh, light in a way, but that's get you started. Uh, so we looked at these courses at MIT and stuff like that, and w- now we have launched it. So we, I think today, mm-hmm. actually, 3rd of September was the first uh, ending of uh, one uh, one of those uh, courses. So we are so keen to see how that went. So we have a like, um, I, I don't know exactly how many, but we have a, ha- had a really strong interest for that. But that's our uh, way to make that happen because it's so true. Without any knowledge, you can't do this. And I, I guess in Sweden, you know, we have so you know big opportunities and potential, as mm-hmm. you say, and, and we have a strong digitalization already, perhaps not that proper use of AI yet, but at least we have some of the prerequisites so to speak, of having mm-hmm. a lot of data and digitalization available and a high level of education. And I guess the course you mentioned, that was in SKR? Or, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we have it together with AI Sweden. Oh, ah, okay. Mm. And perhaps uh, people don't uh, all know, you know, what SKR really is. No, uh, maybe um, not. And you work there <laughs> as uh, like an innovation officer, so yeah. to speak, of digital in- innovation. Yeah. But if you were to just briefly describe what SKR, SKR is. SKR, yeah, SKR, uh, the Swedish region and municipalities. We are uh, the o- association for for them. It's an organization with uh, every region and every municipality in Sweden. They are member. Uh, so we, it's... It's free of choice, but everybody's with us, uh, and we are like uh, 
both um, all um, uh, we are an association with uh, I don't know this, the English word, but collective of tal, you know, arbetsgivar yeah. perspektiv. Uh, yeah. Hard one to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we are, are helping the municipalities and regions to run the business, you can say. And also to, to be a part in the Swedish model when you talk about salaries and uh, what, what's um, the legal stuff in, uh, in uh, being an employed person and an employee organization, of course. Yeah. Uh, and we are also uh, an organization that take all our regions and municipalities questions that we want to have change in Sweden to be able to uh, give welfare to everybody in Sweden and talk to the government, basically. So in my area, it's the question about digitalization. And what is your like responsibility and, and main focus areas, you would say, in, in SKR? Is it, well, it's uh, digital uh, renewance, we call it, and uh, development. Uh, and we have uh, both uh, the question about how to use AI uh, and data uh, analysts and stuff like that, but also to give out um, like reports and uh, uh, We have a, a strategy in Sweden, uh, in, in SKR, that we call Utveckling en digital tid. Mm. Uh, that's uh, giving us um, a strategy for how to make it, uh, make it work in Sweden in, in uh, leadership, and organizations uh, questions, uh, legal questions, architecture questions, uh, infrastructure questions, and also the service. Mm. And we also uh, ask um, uh, um, people in Sweden how they respond to the digital service that we lend out to them uh, and also how uh, employees uh, react to digitalization. So we, uh, we are kind of a analysis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then given your background, you know, about driving change mm. and transformation, especially in these Corona times, I guess, and, yeah. and, and you also have to handle all the healthcare issues and, and how to transform that yes. part of the um, society that we do have. And uh, as Henrik said, you know, why don't we have this already? Why are we so far behind perhaps some of the tech companies and, and why is it not happening in SKR? How, how would you, what would you say the main bottlenecks in SKR are to yeah. be able to, to make use of data and AI to a greater extent? Yeah, it's a, it's perhaps a question about how our municipalities and region work that's one question and then another question is how we as an organization uh, use it data and ai and i can answer them both with uh, sweden was really early in digital digitalization of the public sector uh, to use uh, you know uh, just uh, databases and yeah, stuff like that yeah journal system we were really uh, good on that innovation as well and like personnummer So social security right. number yeah. it's a Swedish innovation uh, so we are we have been really good at stuff like that but uh, now uh, you know technology want to connect uh, uh, sources info sources like that uh, and we don't have legal uh, support for that because the legal system that we have uh, or, or uh, the laws that we have in Sweden they really support like uh, digitalization in the 90s and right. stuff like that. So now when uh, the technology 
is uh, uh, going faster, we have to change the system mm. uh, and have new laws. And it's not so easy in Sweden because we like, you know, to be really, really sure on how uh, why we're going to change something. And, and have consensus, of course. And consensus, <laughs> yes. Uh, and we also like uh, to do utredningar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pre-studies. Pre-studies, yeah. yes, and, and think together, really. And uh, at the same time, the world is on, on speed. So mm. uh, that's really our problem today. So we have to have another way to uh, manage to, to make the... Uh, more agile, so perhaps? Or? Yeah, but the fundamental stuff uh, that you need to... Trade uh, change, yeah. so you have to have structure. You have to have finance. You have to have uh, the laws in place, mm. uh, and you have to have uh, a government that can change. Mm. Uh, yeah. But but what you're highlighting, but still still be really trustworthy, of course. Yeah. So yeah. Safety and trust, I guess, yes. is super important. Yeah. Super important. So I, I think what I'm hearing now from from the public sector SKR perspective, it's it's the same fundamental challenges as. Uh, living in the in the middle of the storm in in a, in a co- corporation like uh, Vattenfall yeah. uh, or or something like that. Yes, and, and it's the same. And and this has been my personal journey and and trying to understand and even changing the mindset on how this leadership and change needs to go about. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a background being consultant. I even came into working with Vattenfall as a consultant within the uh, business and uh, data BI mm. space at that time but move more and more into the whole fundamental uh, data-driven uh, and move into the, the groups level. And, and what I sort of, my key takeaways here is that the traditional sort of approach, we are here, now we do a gap analysis and it to be, and we do a transformation project. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. So, so for me, it has been to how do I orchestrate an engine mm. and continuous learning? Exactly. How do I orchestrate community and drive with different mechanisms that has is completely different to Tayloristic type mm. leadership, and is you could call it agile. But essentially, I think the most important topic is uh, more, you know, the fancy word DevOps. Mm. So, so our business will continuously be developing and operating at the same time. Yes, I think that's so right. And now Mm. you have now our budgets, our line management, run spend and project management. And now we need to do something else. Yeah, we need to do something completely different. And you, you, I think that that's why I'm into these questions because it's about leadership change and it's how to, to make people engage in the, vision yes. and uh, try to have uh, uh, an organization with a culture that you have yes. have to that be able and have uh, you know uh, the right to test and yes. be cur- uh, have a courage in a way and you have to trust your uh, employees that they can you know find the best way to yep. make it work. And that's not the culture that we have in the public sector. No, and, and, and ultimately, now we are... Or at Vattenfall. This is, this is one of these goosebumps. <laughs> I love to... I get goosebumps um, opportunities when something mm-hmm. is happening and, oh, shit. Right? Yeah. yeah. For me, what I've been trying to figure out, together with friends and peers, you know, community, uh, is these mechanisms. So basically focusing on, on installing the right mechanisms or the right sort of 
that will then make this self-propelling. Mm. So when I try to go in and do the consultant thing uh, to do to be gap analysis project, the nice Gantt charts, it's too complex because yes. it goes across everything. So here now, what those mechanisms are and how do you, how you build an engine that then self-propels, that has been my sort of experiment for the last <laughs> 10 years mm. to figure that out. Good questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the, so Me too. Yeah? Yeah. Well, if we solve this here now, that yeah, would be really nice. Yeah. But uh, I guess we, that's but, a bit tough. But today we had uh, all my work uh, group put together with my colleague. Uh, we we uh, were actually talking about how, to, how do we take our way of working because we are going agile mm -hmm. in our way. Uh, and we have worked so hard with that. Uh, and it's kind of hard with, uh, uh, you know, we, not, we don't uh, make any software. We make words, only mm. words. <laughs> yeah, but you make software in the beginning now because that's an essential part of public service, how you serve. Yeah, of course. But in SQR, we just work with, the, you know, uh, we have an opinion. Okay, that's, you, that, mean, you, know. you mean from the SKR perspective? Yeah, from the SKR perspective. Perspective, yes, but we have been uh, uh, challenging challenge ourselves with how can we, you know, s stop being that uh, lonely um, people, uh, lonely expert that sit and think about how to change, and how do we uh, trans um, transpond our way of working with uh, engage the regions and the municipalities in our way of work. This is the mechanism to yes. figure out, to, to rethink what is our core purpose yeah. and how will we execute that. Yes. And, and my two cents, knowing nothing of how you work, but, you know, stealing from what we do in Vattenfall and, 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 <laughs> and uh, you know, in Skåne, it's the same challenge, right? It's huge com uh, uh, huge corporation, uh, fantastic niche pockets where we do ex fantastic stuff, but how to get that across, mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden now we start thinking more about okay how do we how do we how do we become facilitators yes orchestrators exactly uh, a house of uh, open source so so we are talking a lot now of uh, let's learn from the development community around open source can we create that mindset not only about open data mm. but open source processes ways of working uh, that basically then puts you in a different role Mm -hmm. And this is also a little bit, I think, what the head office role can be in a big corporation towards the local office or what the state is towards yeah. the municipality. It's a different mindset here. Yes, it's a different, and, and that you together yes. uh, mind out what are we going to do and then try and learn and be cur curious. Yes. Yeah. So speaking about together, <laughs> I think that's an important topic. And, yeah. and uh, some people have this view of AI being something that replaces humans. Um, another mm -hmm. can think of AI as a way to augment use, uh, humans and make them more efficient. And we just heard, for example, today in the no morning news how um, nurses basically are quitting the, uh, the jobs because it's too high workload and the working environment is not really good. And they have to do a lot of you know administrative kind of repetitive and boring tasks and how, what's your view on that? How, how do you think AI will, you know, more replace humans, or will it actually be a tool that can actually make humans work more efficiently and, yeah. and focus on the right you know, other things? Or it can make the workload uh, much easier to handle. 
-hmm. and you can use AI to uh, have an, um, you know, uh, a help in decision making. Uh, as a, a nurse or as a manager, it really is the same uh, same thoughts that we have. They are not going to take any jobs. We need every person in the welfare system to work for for uh, the public Sorry. sector. And uh, the problem today is that we have to uh, lay a lot of time and effort on uh, data and uh, administration. Yes. And the boring stuff, mm, you can exactly. automate it. So remove so the boring parts remove and it. let people do the Yeah, the and, and try to, to think about what, what's the purpose of our work. Well, it's to meet people with problems yeah, and try right. to solve their problems. Social aspect, psychology aspect, yeah. right? Uh, so if you have time to meet other people and, you know, uh, try to think, how can I use data and information in a way that helps me help others? Yeah. Then you have your purpose with AI in the public sector, mm. and also if you want to to you know uh, how how do I work, how do I use all competence that you have in a um, I don't know in school you mm. have a lot of competence uh, different competence but you have the question about the the scheme mm. uh, it's really hard uh, today it's a teacher doing that mm. is that really uh, you know. You have room, you have competence, you have uh, pupils, uh, and then you have a person today that's sitting yeah. and trying to map it up. I, I you don't have to use that. I think this is so vital in this conversation around uh, why we need, uh, or if it's AI is replacing jobs. Uh, it's, it's replacing administrative tasks and also mm. then going back to understanding what AI is right now. Yeah. What, it's, what the purpose is there is we are not talking... Science, you know, science fiction, general AI. We are talking narrow AI. Yes. What does that mean, Anders? Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the classical misunderstandings mm. of, of AI. They still think, you know, about the the Matrix thing or the Terminator can do anything. But in reality, today, AI is very, very different from humans. So there are some things that AI can do really well, and there are other things that humans can do really well. Mm. And, and to just give a simplified view of that, I mean, AI can really go through a huge amount of data very quickly, but with a rather shallow understanding. But you know, mm. the, the level of understanding is increasing, but it's not to the extent that human can do it. So human can have a much deeper understanding and put things in context to the all the background knowledge that humans have. And, and one of the classical examples to speak about SKR and, and about the healthcare system and you know, in Peltorin also worked with um, radiologists um, that have to, for example, create a treatment plan for cancer patients. And they can spend like time going through hundreds of CAT scan images or MRI images. Uh, but in reality, an AI can do that so much more efficiently. You know, going through images is something mm. that AI can do really well today. And then the human can focus on the, the more important things, you know, how to really you know, create a treatment plan given all the background knowledge that the human expert have, and then spend time on that instead. Um, so that, I think that's a great example of how you can use AI to take you know, the boring parts out of the, the tasks mm. and let human focus on, on the important stuff. The you, happy stuff. You? Yeah. Meeting others. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally under, uh, understand what you, you're, you're after. And it's so important to have that. Uh, what's the What's the use of AI in public sector? Not uh, think about uh, like it's a super robot. Mm -hmm. mm. But, so, yeah. but do we do we put now when we say AI? Uh, 
we, we love to put hype words and labels on everything because ultimately here, aren't we simply talking about different things to take away ad, uh, optimizing decisions or, op, or optimizing workflows, uh, taking away administrative burden where technology is actually better at doing that part. Mm-hmm. And, and in reality, who signed up to be a doctor, who signed up to be a teacher, uh, who signed up to even to be a municipality worker to flip papers compared to sort of help society, help a patient or teach kids. Uh, so I think it's back to basics yes. that AI will help for. And I think also here, I think there needs to be some sort of AI, but also understand it from the different perspectives of automation, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And you also uh, ask an important question, what's, who is going to use it and benefit yes. of it? So that's really important to have when you're talking about AI, because of course there are, there are going to be those who, who find a cool thing that you, you can use AI for that's not supporting that purpose. I'd love to get into to some more, you know, mm-hmm. interesting and I think favorite topics that you have, like mm-hmm. AI ethics and, and, yeah. and uh, religion and connection to that. But before we do that and, and just try try to close up a bit about the SKR you know, uh, thinking, uh, if you were to think in like best case case scenario in like ten years in 2030, mm. what how would you see SKR, SKR working then with AI? Or in general? In, I mean. in general. Well, I hope that we have uh, made uh, a process, really, together with our municipality and regions and the government uh, to together uh, explore and uh, take forward, the, um, um, what do you call it, spelplan? Uh, the, the playing field. Play field, yeah. And, uh, you know, every everything that we want, how we want it to work mm. uh, so we can uh, make data uh, useful mm. uh, to solve our really uh, big problems in Sweden and uh, you know mm. make us useful for people so mm. I think uh, I hope that we then in 10 years uh, have uh, well have ac- achieved that mm. much much better healthcare system perhaps yeah. where humans can actually work with the exactly. good things that they can so, do yeah, and if, if you go to the everyday life for for humans in Sweden, I think they will, you know, find it's easier to um, connect or have uh, have the right um, response from the welfare system. Or the uh, when you try to build a house, it's not uh, <laughs> hard; it's easy. So stuff like that. Cool. Should, should we move should we into move the on? ethics? I think I, I'm I think very eager to, to let, move let's, into that. Let's so. not miss the opportunity <laughs> when no. we have such a guest today. Uh, so, so let me set up a bit, uh, mm-hmm. and I can speak about some research project we're doing at Peltarion, and uh, we're working with medical data, like uh, journal text, patient journal text, for example, and and then trying to use AI for for doing things like trying to predict uh, should uh, we prescribe antibiotics or not, for example. And then today's AI can perhaps make a prediction, but it can't really explain well, but we can improve the explainability. And that's actually one of the, the research fields we're, we're spending a lot of time with. But there are a lot of problems with working with sensitive data like this. Of course, we don't want to endanger any kind of integrity, privacy problems with, with this type of data. And and we certainly don't want to make like AI making a decision that is based on like biases and, and the wrong kind of decision. 
Uh, and perhaps we can just start the discussion from a very philosophical point of view. And, and uh, let me set up the, the, the trolley problem. Um, perhaps some of you out there have, have heard about this, but it's basically the, the idea that you have a train coming down the track and you're standing beside the track and you can see that there are five people tied up to the track in, in, in yeah, some down uh, a path down the, the track and you can see they will basically be killed. Uh, but you're standing by the switch so you can potentially flip the switch. The train takes another sidetrack and then it's only one person tied to the track. Now we have to make the decision, should you flip the switch or not? Uh, and, and there are a number of like moral considerations here. Uh, have you heard about this mm. uh, problem? Uh, yes. what's, what's your initial thought? Should, should the person flip the switch or not? Well, that's, that's a question because if I say yes now, it may, may, does it make me a potential murderer? Mm. Because that's really what's happening to that yes, person. Exactly. Taking one's life uh, by purpose. Or if you don't do anything, you can always say, well, I didn't kill them, it was the train. Mm. But the philosophical question here is, does the people, do you see what's going to happen? Aren't you responsible then? Mm. Anyway? Uh, it's, Aren't you equally responsible yeah. if, for if taking do, no action yeah, at all? Yeah. Doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And if you are um, taking this uh, to a today's topic, uh, if we don't use AI in public sector to, you know, help uh, humans have a better life in Sweden, mm. are we responsible for the missed opportunity then? Yeah, exactly. So not doing the investments and innovation yeah. could actually be a, a yeah. sign of taking no action. And can the, you save a person using AI and right. not going in that direction? Mm. Are you then responsible for taking that person's life? Yeah. Are we killing more lives but not using AI? Yes. Yeah. But I, let's take this or safe ethical life. question. <laughs> yes, safe life, yes. Let's take this down to earth in, mm. a, in a normal corporation where, where I find around change, people seem on middle manager level, the safe choice is to, I duck the question, I don't say anything, mm. as this was some kind of, uh, I didn't make a choice. But essentially, not doing anything is the no choice. Yeah to change or to, to this. Yes. And I think here is lies a real big challenge in our leadership today that this is okay, that we are not re recognizing that the inaction, there should be accountability for inaction. Mm -hmm. to, to do nothing, to duck the question, is essentially saying no. Yeah. And why is that morally okay? Why is that morally okay? Because in, yeah. I, I would say... In, in Swedish society, it's morally okay right now, or this yeah. is culture. Is mm. that fair? Or is it? Yeah, no, it, I think that's a way of uh, uh, talking about it. That because what's uh, the difference between animals and humans uh, yes. is that you have a choice and you can think about it. You can think about responsibility. So if you have a, a freedom of choosing, you also have the responsibility of your uh, choosing or not choosing. Uh, and if you have a way of thinking about it, then you are responsible. But the interesting thing about ethics and moral, that it's, it's a, some, some way of what's normal and not. Uh, so if you are going to talk about ethics, you have to talk about what's normal and what's like the new normal. Uh, and today with COVID, we have a lot of talk about uh, the new normal. And basically what's happened is that our behaviors... Uh, 
uh, have started to change our values mm. and our thought about things. Mm. And that's how you change ethics and moral issues. But this is maybe one, one of these key mechanisms we are talking about, to find the levers, which is on a cultural level, I guess, in a society or in a company. Yeah. Well, or it's is it somewhere else? Is it no, it's bigger? culture. It's culture. It's always culture. Uh, but but it's perhaps uh, when you uh, when you behave as a human, you want to be liked. Uh, so middle. so you use the ethics around you, but you don't you you're not uh, uh, aware of it in everyday time. But you always uh, want people to like you. That's why I'm nervous about talking in English because mm. I'm like. Well, this is not my <laughs> yeah. uh, field in, in in my my day life, but it's the it's our normal here, yeah. yeah? Mm. Uh, and and then I have a question about it in my head. But if I would talk to you, Swedish to you, then you would mm. think I was strange mm. in this yeah. setting, well, yeah. right? I'm changing the normal. because it was uh, our deal, uh, or in some way. Well. So, so ethics is quite closely related to the cultural values or norms oh, yeah. in, in whatever group or society you're in. And they are, of course, maybe a little bit different than in different parts of the world, of course. Of course. And then if you uh, talk about the new normal using data, so if you take it to that level, what happens when we uh, create uh, um, a way of work with data and uh, AI and uh, take uh, like start to to work in a different way because we have help with the uh, AI systems or something like that. What happens then to our thoughts about our work? Mm. And what happens with uh, those who doesn't use AI in their work? Do we are we going to have a value shift then? And how is our um, you know? How are we going to to see how we use time? Mm -hmm. That's also a philosophical question that you uh, discuss a lot when you are talking about uh, ethics. Mm -hmm. Who are doing it? What time mean? And uh, uh, who is above who? You know, mm -hmm. stuff like and that. Speaking more about data usage and, and perhaps thinking more about like different age groups. Mm -hmm. uh, some you know millennials uh, and younger people are used to using Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and whatnot every day, not really caring about, you know, sharing the data that they have. But and aren't are, are millennials, they are like 38, so <laughs> sorry, are they young? Uh, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm a very old guy, sorry for that. Okay, so younger than <laughs> millennials. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. Um, Generation Z. Are we set Generation X. Yeah, so, sorry. But how, how do you see that uh, happening in the future? Do you think there is like an inflation, so to speak, in privacy and, and data safety that uh, it will be more a norm, a norm in the in the society that data is everywhere and, and shared with everyone, mm. and that's acceptable? Or do you think it will actually have you know increased regulation going forward, so so it actually will be more of a data ownership going forward or yeah how, how do you see the future there i think i think it's uh we can go both way and it's a very hard question because we have talked about it a lot at work mm. uh are we seeing uh, more regulations and uh, privacy settings like that but uh, still we we as swedes we are really used to sharing data yeah. uh, and we don't know it and yeah. uh, we just do it yeah. it's like uh, uh, one once again personal numnet I can say it to you and to everybody, 
and it, you can f- probably find it on the right. internet if you search yeah. deep. Uh, but so, uh, but we also have this question that we don't want anyone to know uh, my privacy, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a hard question. I think we have to talk about what we want, uh, how we want to use our personal personal data, and you know, have a discussion on where we draw the lines, because you're also you you need to have integrity of yourself. Mm-hmm. So the question is where where so, so where do, about, does it yeah. stop? So where is the line then? So so let's. Yeah. Uh, Draw up some examples. Yes. So, so we have in China, for example, the police using these kind of Google Glass things, and mm-hmm. they have facial recognition, and they can just identify people. And they have this uh, kind of wall of shame. If you heard about them, yeah. gamification of mm-hmm. social control. Yeah, and you social can point credit out scores and people, whatnot. Yeah? So, so many things. And basically, if you cross like a cross section over the street and jaywalk, they can automatically identify you, yeah, and you put it up on a wall of shame, and it can even automatically. But is it true, like like you have your fine, you, you have your you have your personal avatar mm-hmm. in terms of social uh, or or society index mm. and that actually can pro- you know make you get jobs or lose jobs or you know is that true but, but let is me make a point here because you know we have you know one extreme use of data and ai in in for example some part of china and, and some of this is a bit inflated by media i must say yes. i must defend also some of the the western press and the chinese press you know to make sure that we have an objective view of this and even to give an example i mean even in sweden we had facial recognition in this kind of uh, gymnasiumskolia mm. uh, in soleftia yes we know and they got fined you know mm. with pr because they broke the, the the regulation at that point but we tried as well yeah to use facial recognition yeah. and identify people like that so perhaps we shouldn't you know brag too much no, about we should, ourselves we should be careful so so do you think this is um, you know, this is across the line right now, at least for us in Western or in Europe and Sweden. Do you think it will continue to be that, or do you think it will be a normal day activity that uh, cameras in in schools will identify this is a drug deal- dealer? It's not really a student in the school, and and that will be something that alerts security or something if they come into the school area. I should go back to the value uh, question again then, and uh, ask why it's normal in China to do that because mm-hmm. they also accept it Um, and we in Sweden we can ask the question do they have a choice but I think there uh, or I believe this there are people in in China that likes the way they were they have their society Mm. and that's a hard question for us uh, because we don't want that kind of society that's why we have this democracy and question about how how do we want to live our lives but with that said GDPR is a problem when we want to use uh, the new technology as uh, uh, face recognition, as in that school that you are mentioning. Yeah. Uh, and what we want to do in Sweden is that we are allowed to try out that kind of technology and then look at our laws and uh, regulations system and see how can we make this okay in a Swedish way. Right. Uh, that... Uh, prevent us to have that wall of shame because we don't like that in our society yet i hope n- never, never if you ask me but <laughs> you know if you if you want to talk to t- ethics you have to be like you don't have any own o- yeah, <laughs> ideas yeah if you have to have a, a, a public shaming is probably not a good thing yeah right? probably not because <laughs> there's a problem with that anyway yeah. uh so so um 
the question in Sweden is how how can we explore these new technologies and uh, try to find our way in this, mm-hmm. and uh, and we have to be very um, uh, you know we have to to take this uh, work that we have uh, to use personal data about you in our social systems and mm-hmm. and the public sector in a way that makes you still believe in our democracy. Right. So the question is uh, at hand is if you if you don't use it and uh, you know trans uh, transform the public sector in a way that the voters like, mm-hmm. then perhaps you will have another story. Mm-hmm. So, but it, but it's it's, a, it's it's several difficult questions here. It's a sort of the catch twenty two. Can we we need to try an experiment to move this forward, but the the, the law doesn't allow us, and we have. And GDPR mm. is, is a good example here where mm. it's sort of, we also, I think, needs to get the retta prejudicata and the, the, yeah. the case the law happening, yes. the precedence, because right now it's... Uh, I the sandboxes. Can, yeah, not right now, I, I'm actually exploring exactly these topics right now and I'm, I'm, we are talking about, you know, can we do a sandbox so we can try mm. this out? And actually, no, you can't. And we have this internal mm. discussion in, in organizations. I'm Why working. can't you have uh, sandboxes in your business? Uh, they referring uh, our, our, our privacy officers referring mm. to GDPR. Yeah. So this now becomes now. I have now seen several different mm. interpretations. Uh, the letter of the law mm. towards you know looking at sort of is this within the purpose of the data? Yeah. Uh, so and and where I now seen several different organizations really different in interpretation mm. on this, which is a problem, right? Yeah. Because right mm. now. Uh, we need to be able to explore and understand what data we have. Yes, but you can't do that without stating what you should use it for. Uh, catch 22. Okay, then I can put up a, a hypothesis. Yeah. And, and then, so all of a sudden we end up in this conversation like like very traditional old school waterfall project management yeah. that I need to do a requirement specification even to get started for back in utredning and pre-studies <laughs> yes. for six months. Even to understand... Something that I, you know, it would take me two mm. weeks to understand if something is feasible or not. Yeah. So this is a real challenge now that we need this case law, mm. I think, as a way to get out of the hole. Mm. To- totally agree. That's Eric. our our one of our biggest uh, uh, thing missions that we work on is at SKR yeah. to make that possible. We have to have sandboxes in public sector yes. and in the in the industry as well. Of course, we need yeah. to have sandboxes. It's the only way. And, and, and of course, what, 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 what becomes a little bit frustrating when you're doing this on, on a very operational level is that you know this is going on around you all over the place in your own organization, but it's done, on e- it's done in a different way, right? And then now we're trying to do it industrialized. We're trying to do the right thing. I'm actually trying to work correctly, compliantly, and it's it's sort of then you get stuck. Mm. And and at the same time, it's a little, so. What I'm saying is, we we are filtering uh, mosquitoes and slapping uh, through <laughs> elephants, <laughs> elephants uh, yeah. you know, in, through the window. Yeah. yeah? But if you uh, oh. if you were to uh, make the GDPR all over again, what would you do? Oh, that's an awesome question. Oh, I, I wish we, awesome. we could really. I mean, regulation <laughs> it's another is another after work, perhaps. And, and I'd love to, to also <laughs> move into to perhaps a related topic then, mm. and, and one of my favorite topics, which is Elon Musk and mm. his view on AI. And it's kind of interesting, especially when it says about when it talks about regulation. 
Yeah, and you really love Elon Musk. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do actually. <laughs> you, 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 it's you a love said, story. Okay, so the framing. I do the framing. Why we need to talk to Elon Musk? Mm. If we were, well, how were you saying it? If we compare Leonardo da Vinci in oh. his time versus <laughs> Elon Musk in this time, you said it. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Own yeah. up to it now, man. <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, are they on the same level? That's a good question. Do you think so? Ooh, I have to. Okay. So yeah, sure. They they are <laughs> sorry, guy. In a different dimension, of course, and different times. But it would be really interesting to see, you know, what would Leonardo da Vinci do in our these time. times and, and Elon Musk, Musk in those times? Yes. That was the story. That would be super interesting to see. Yeah. But just to go back to regulation, mm. because I think it's, it's an important topic. And then I want to, before we end, also touch a bit on, on religion and, mm. and, and that topic as well, if we have some time for that. Um, but regulation, as to say, it can be done uh, poorly and it can be done in a, in a way, in a good way. And, and uh, done poorly can mean it's not enough regulation or it's too much regulation, right? I hope you mm -hmm. agree so far. Yeah. And GDPR is certainly not perhaps perfectly implemented, uh, but had good intentions. And I, I hope mm. you also agree with, yes. with that. Um, so that said, um, what, what is really the best way to, to, pr to improve regulation going forward? We know there is happening a lot in EU right now mm -hmm. with new regulation coming in place in this year and so forth. Um, do you have any thoughts about regulation? Especially I can imagine SKR, this is a very important one yes. given how sensitive data and, mm. and important fields and high-risk applications of AI, as EU calls mm. it, that you have in SKR applications. How should we improve it, regulation to make SKR more efficient well, in 10 years? Yeah, we have to answer the question what we mean by that. So when you say it's a high risk, what do we mean by high risk? Mm. Uh, because sometimes we have the feeling of uh, being afraid of the AI yeah. because we don't know what it is. So we interpret that everything is high risk. Mm. So you have to, you know, answer the question, what do we mean by that? Yeah. And I think that regulation from EU is uh, have a problem with it's it's too fluffy in a way yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, so we have to have uh, uh, you know uh, a way of working with this so we can have the cases again the sandboxes that uh, interpret what we mean by high risk and right. low risk and the the, the gray zones of course yeah. uh, and we have also to to decide if we want to use AI uh, you know it's like the Cabinet question: Do we want it? <laughs> and, 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 and then we have to understand what it is, because yeah. I think we want it. But then we have to, you know, have a way of uh, using the technology and see what's happened in our way of working and uh, the field of what's important for us humans to uh, to take care of and protect, yeah. and then uh, take a step. You were starting. You were into this before that it, it's not actually nations that is sort of moving ahead it's it's some tech giants and mm -hmm. clearly the regulation and however it works today the way we have it today i i think it's it's actually in increasing this data and ai divide because yes. the more knowledgeable you are exactly on what you're doing you can manage the gdr regulations so it's more about our um, illiteracy in yep. truly understanding the technology that makes us hesitant in what we do while if you go to the tech giants, they, they can isolate the problem and the question by the law and, and fix it. And even, mm. and even enter it into their 20-page mm. agreement. Of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I, so this Isn't is it about risk management then? 
It's Perhaps uh, to be better, because I think that if you manage GDPR, you are good at, of having like a risk assessment of your information and, and good on interpreting what is uh, yeah, information is, to be And isn't this the core? Careful about. All business, you know, okay, public sector maybe not, mm. but all business is risk. There is a beta in terms of yeah. what's the return on your investment. Yeah. The higher the risk, the higher the reward. And here we want to do something which is a conscious human, mm. good f- good for human risk in business. Uh, so so there is never a zero risk. No, no. And even, no. even if you, you have, just have GDPR, to... the same <gasps> risks has existed uh, forever. And, mm-hmm. and all the big uh, security breaches, they are very far that has been sort of technology oriented. But in the end, it, it's more people oriented, you know, normal theft. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and just to comment a bit what you said as well. I mean, for the big tech giants, that they know not only how to use AI, they know exactly how to work with the regulation. Exactly. They have the big legal teams necessary to actually yeah. fulfill all the requirements and comply with all mm. the regulations. Yes. Whereas normal companies and companies not really used to using you know, data and AI exactly like have this. nothing. So they actually increase the so the AI regulations divide, so has speak. right now mm. increased is accelerating the divide right yeah. now, unfortunately. Yeah. But I think to back to AI Sweden, mm. we have a, a big um, uh, opportunity there right. to have the legal teams for the small companies yes. and also have the legal team for public sector or the mm. collaboration between the both of them. Yeah. So, so because of course it's uh, about managing uh, the risks mm. and also the regulation there there is, mm. and we also say this to our municipalities because we have a network uh, about how to use AI. Mm. And then our our key take is you have to try, and mm. you know you can do so much with automation re- mm. today uh, uh, inside of. The loss. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There is surprisingly. So you can do Yeah, you as can long do as much. you, you know, my, my usual um, um, way of phrasing this is basically you shouldn't regulate the technology itself, but the exactly. effects of it. Exactly. So yes. it's what really what you use it for. Mm. And if it can kill someone, yeah. then it's important. So self driving cars probably should have, you know, mm. higher regulation than um, Spotify recommended music. Yeah. I mean, you can get really angry with if you get recommended music, but perhaps you, you won't <laughs> die from it. I, I'm <laughs> well, not sure. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Should we? Uh, I'm not sure yeah. how much time we have left, but I, I would love to have some discussion about yeah. religion and. and um, Let's go with that as our last topic for today. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good one. And, and this is uh, not easy to get into, but mm. but let me try to start to set something up and. And uh, we have the concept of singularity, which basically means at some point in the future, and, and this is basically from the Terminator, and you can see these kind of movies, at some point in the future, there will be a, a time where we have a level of intelligence in a system that supersedes that of humans. And, and we already have that today, but for very narrow tasks. But there will be a, a time where uh, it basically doesn't really require humans to, to, to do that and to develop new skills. So um, that can be a potential dangerous thing, and that is what why Stephen Hawkins and Elon Musk and, and many other people say things like, you know, AI is the last innovation that humans ever will do, and, and this kind of thing. So I, I don't really want to boast that kind of thinking, but that also, you know, comes a bit into what is really God mm. in, in that situation. Can what's your, you know, how do you see a future where perhaps we have machines? We know that you know machines can play chess much better than humans today, and, and Go and StarCraft and whatnot. 
And, and that's, that be, is continuing to accelerate in an exponential rate. And how do you connect that to your view of, of religion and mm-hmm. what God is? And, and how will a, like a computer ever you know, be connected to, mm. to God in some way? Yeah, big question. <laughs> you have to start with the question, what do you mean by God? Mm. Is it a God with a big G or a small G? Yeah. Is it like uh, something that you relate to as a, uh, like a force? Or is it more like something you ha- that's a way of... Uh, faith. Yeah, faith and, and love mm-hmm. and compassion and stuff like that. Do you think an AI will ever feel love? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think... I think not. Uh, I think um, AI always going to be something different from humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my thought. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can be wrong, yeah. uh, of course. But uh, I think you have to ha- have that question first. What do you mean by God? Mm-hmm. And if you mean, um, as as I think about it, that God is like a force of good things and a force of what makes... Uh, people love each other and not kill each other mm. or uh, feel uh, happy mm. or have a meaning. Mm. Uh, and then if we go back to the question, what happens if the Machine, machines yeah. take over our way of innovate and yeah. because they do it anyway and yeah. they are so fast, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Can you compare it to something that already has happened in the history of men? Have we ever been through a similar change? Perhaps we have. Yeah, what are you thinking about? Perhaps uh, when we were uh, introducing books mm-hmm. in the medieval. Right. Then okay. we, we, have, we have like a very interesting scriptures about uh, now it's the end of uh, human. Mm. <laughs> uh, and, and now we are going to stop talking to each other. Other and you can al- also see that they wanted to uh, regulate how many hours you were right. supposed to read, and that information overload was a problem. Mm-hmm. You thought if you had one book to read, mm-hmm. and today that's we, we can laugh about that. Mm-hmm. So my point is, I think that the human uh, being a human, you will always be curious because that's what humans is, mm-hmm. and you will always have the choice of love or hate Mm. to destroy or create Mm. and if we have more time if the robots or a machine are doing our stuff Mm. what would we do Mm. love or hate love or hate so the question is how can god if we think that god is the creation or the way that we create uh, can god kill himself or itself Mm. uh, by us human not relate to that force of love mm. or hate. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's question. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> the funny part of, of talking about the stuff like that, that it's really opens up a, a window of opportunities. And mm. today we, we don't really have a way of talking about these big questions and mm. what happens when and what is God or Stuff like that in an easier way. I really appreciate mm. you st- yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. telling telling me out your thoughts, your thoughts. But um, it's rare. It is very but good question. I think something in between the line. What I'm thinking is, isn't this a, 
isn't this been a constant evolution of from medieval times what is god you know what is the higher being mm-hmm. how do we view uh, god and, uh, and christianity and stuff like this in the medieval times etc uh, etc et so isn't this also as part of the human evolution so far that are always trying having faith in something or believing in something is there mm-hmm. but it has evolved over time and it, maybe we don't see it but you clearly see it when we look at the different centuries or like uh, the medieval times mm. uh, so is th- so probably there will be a, a notion of god or faith and all this but it probably takes new forms yes. that it is hard for us to define now yes. like in the medieval times they wouldn't be able to define but like we do today no that's true and that's also important to set it in in different contexts Yes. And throughout the world you have also different way of looking at religious uh, questions and yes. you know we had you have something in the USA that's called the civil religion and uh, it's uh, like when uh, Barack Obama says god bless you all and it's nothing wrong with that or even strange it's a way of Expression. thinking yeah Expression. yeah and you and you relate to it and you don't you don't ask oh or so I Which church do you? Which church should you bless me now? <laughs> yeah, no. But in, in in Swedish, that would be really we don't awkward. The, we don't have this yeah. language. In my in my workplace, uh, my colleagues they they're used uh, to me having like uh, religious uh, jokes or something like that, or saying "bless you" all in some way, and they they are like moving around and think it's a bit awkward, of course. But I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. I actually have a lot of questions. So I would love to have more time to, yeah. to discuss about this. I think it's so so important uh, thing to do. But I think the time is also a bit running up. So um, I'd like to, to start to uh, close up a bit and uh, let me start the elements of AI. Do, do you, that's the um, that's a course available for free for anyone, right? Elements of AI free for everyone, mm-hmm. and the course that SQI. Uh, and uh, AI Sweden and Governa has yes. is uh, AI for leaders and yeah. uh, officers in uh, and they can find it in ai.se or at yes, SKR SKR and, SKR. and, and, and SKR. it's 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 not for free but yeah. it's a small fee yeah okay yeah. awesome and we use that to, to develop new courses of course awesome yeah awesome. so what's happening in your life coming months and years do you have any Oh, big! Yeah, I have big plans. I'm going to sail around Gotland in the summer. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I want. I really. I think it's really important to to have hobbies and uh, you know enjoy life. You have just one. Mm. So I hope I will do that, and I hope I can uh, continue to to give to the society in any way, Mm. in some way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Such an awesome uh, to, to have you here today and, and speaking to you. Um, if you were to recommend someone that you would like to have as a guest here, who would you recommend? Oh, I well, I I love uh, Jeanette uh, yeah. Nilsson, yes. uh, who has helped us with the AI agenda. I would love to have her as a guest, of course, and uh, then I have a, a personal idol and, and, and a mm. former boss, uh, Anne Helenius, that I oh. just love awesome she's really cool that sounds great so sounds I, i think with that henrik uh, we should I think start it's time to, to round it off yes and uh, thanks for coming and being part of this premiere show yeah mm. it was really fun thank you so much for having me mm. yeah 
Thank you. And I hope we can continue the religious uh, discussion at some point, yes, uh, informally or, or <laughs> on or off camera, so to yeah. speak. That would be really fun, I think.